Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's good morning today to my latest guest, Angus Nelson. Now, Angus has one of the more impressive resumes that I can um, lay claim to. It's executive coach, innovative consultant and speaker. And he's spoken with more companies than I could possibly imagine and the brands of which um, are amazing. So if I just mention a couple, couple there's BMW, Coca-Cola, Walt Disney, um, Hallmark, and it goes on and on and on. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Nelson because he's going to be able to introduce himself far better than I can. Sure. Well, hi. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, so do you want me, how far do you want me to go back? I was born at a very young age. I had a, a twin brother. We were roommates. Um, and then I got into uh, the nonprofit world, used my community skills, and got into corporate and started working and building community through a company three years ago called Crowd Companies. And within that uh, association is how it was modeled. Large brands joined us, and uh, we educated them in the space of everything from the sharing economy to um, in Internet of Things, autonomous vehicles, artificial intelligence, and anything that's kind of disrupting in the tech space. And my role there was as the uh, member success manager, I did the people side of it. And so I've used and leveraged all of my um, experience of working with people into working with large brands. So that's kind of gives you a little bit of context to start with. Yeah, and as I'm chatting to Angus this morning, it's six o'clock here, um, but where Angus is over in Nashville, I believe, it's in mid-afternoon, and I'm looking at the background, and he has a wonderful um, word there called Nashville with a guitar hanging beside it. So you are on the other side of the world. You do have the most beautiful accent, but all my guests are going to be going, where did this American come from? And the reason I've asked Angus on this morning is because I heard him speak and he was the most amazing motivational speaker. And I got very excited when he mentioned um, being a tourist in our own lives and how very, very often we stand by and we watch um, our lives rather than jump right in there, boots and all. Mm-hmm. Angus, can you start there, please? Sure. You know, Melinda, our lives, very often, we it's very easy to slip to default in everything that we do. And we don't want to take responsibility for making mistakes. We don't want to take responsibilities for stepping out. So we won't go forward. We won't go backwards. We just kind of sit. And I gave the illustration of, um, and during the talk that you're speaking of, um, it was this whole element of me taking a trip. And when we're on trips, we do lots of observation around things that other people have built, other things that people have created and crafted. And we sit back and marvel and awe and and think, wow, isn't it incredible what that person did? At the same time, we'll do the exact same element with our own lives. 
is we'll spend time buying trinkets that we otherwise wouldn't buy to keep ourselves occupied and distracted in the same way we would as a tourist. We'll also spend time looking through maps trying to analyze, do I go left or do I go right? Mm, I'm not really sure. Maybe I should just get a milkshake. And we kind of take this metaphor of being a tourist and put that into our lives. And many times we end up spending our lives watching what other people do instead of executing on our dreams and the purpose for our being. And so one of the things that I am trying to make my life mission is to push people towards theirs. And that's again where where I'm actually captivated by what Angus is doing. He has this wonderful group called Up In Your Business and he's encouraging all of us to jump in their boots and all and, and get our businesses up and running and succeed in those businesses. To that end, he's got uh, coaching and mentoring services. He's got a networking book out. He's got another book coming out called Empowering Work which he released as an exclusive on the podcast before mine. Um, So we can't have it as an exclusive, but um, it is only a very recent announcement. Um, So, Angus, your mentoring and coaching, that's a central part of your business now. Mm -hmm. It is, absolutely. Um, I just really found that over the last three years, working with people at these top brand levels, you know, top executives who have gone to great schools, they make incredible money, live in fantastic homes, and yet they still struggle. You know, they've been successful in business, but they don't necessarily feel successful in life. And so I spun out of that company I was with to take the opportunity to invest my life into investing into them. And one of those components is helping people with their mindset, pushing past their fears, and establishing just an intention to lean forward into the very things that hold us back. Um, I like to say that, you know, fear is an invitation Fear is the very thing that we see as a wall, but in actuality is a step. And until you will take the courage to just have a, just a smidgen more courage than fear so that you can overcome whatever that thing is that you think is holding you back, what happens is you become, in, you become liberated and empowered because of the confidence that it instills. I like to say when I was a little kid, they don't really have these too many places in the States anymore. I don't know about um, Australia. By the way, I don't know if you know this, my mom's a Kiwi. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, I have some connections to the South Pacific. Um, and my, in fact, my mom and dad will be there for a whole year uh, this fall. They leave and um, they're going to be house sitting for a number of places. Pretty cool. Um, but the element of being on a high dive, you know, we would have like a 12 foot uh, high dive. I think you guys would have a 10 meter or something of that nature. And when you're a child, you're, you know, young teenager or what have you, the first time you climb up on that thing, it's just nothing but intimidating. And you have your friends and positive peer pressure down below saying, come on, you can do it, Melinda, jump, jump, come on. And you're up there and your head's saying go, but your knee's saying no. But eventually, you find some way to get off that board and into the water. And once you've done it once, you're far more likely to do it again until you find yourself on an ultimate cycle of just jumping and jumping and jumping and, and smelling like chlorine and sun-baked and you know, that's the thing about those initial fears. Once you conquer them, you become empowered to do far more. And until we give ourselves permission to step over the small fears, we'll never get to the big fears. 
Yeah. And what Angus is um, touching on here is something that we as writers uh, experience every day, putting ourselves out there, um, facing rejection, uh, but getting up every morning and doing that word count anyway, churning out our two, 3,000 words going, oh, my God, that's rubbish. Uh, one of the things that I did want to talk about today with Angus was fear, but he's just covered that in about two nanoseconds, so we're going to move right along. <laughs> uh, now I've, sure. got to, I've got to tell you, every time I listen to Angus speak, he does tend to do that. He gets very, very enthusiastic and he has so much to share. Uh, so my two pages of notes have just been wiped out in the last five minutes. <clears throat> but what I want to pick up on... Um, I try to be I'll, succinct as well. <laughs> he's very succinct and, yeah, thank you very much for um, coming aboard and we'll see you next time. No, um, the first thing I wanted to go back to and take you right back to your very first sentence was... Um, People live in fancy houses, they're, they're very successful on the outside, but they're unhappy on the inside. Now, I know you experienced that early on in your life with your first marriage as well. Uh, I lived in the Sundays. Everyone who listens to me knows I have a passion for uh, living the life that Angus describes. Um, that's why I'm Stony Cold Broke at 54 and jumping into my next business. Um, but I ran into a lot of very, very wealthy men on very, very fancy yachts. My husband and I were on a little yacht and we were happy playing Scrabble. We had a spinnaker up, a glass of port, sailing down the Whitsunday Passage, which is a beautiful part of the world, Angus, you might like to come and see it sometime. Mm -hmm. But those rich guys, they'd left their wives, they'd given them the house, they'd given them the kids and all the associated hell on wheels, and they were out with backpackers um, sailing the world and having what seemed to be an amazing time, but really they were very confused middle-aged men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's the, the problem is we put our value on the wrong stuff. And it's not till later in our twilight years that we realize what really counts. And that's one of the purposes that I think I serve is I'm trying to, to paint an equation. You know, a lot of us live our lives in one of two places. It's either the past or the future. And I'm sure you've heard me use this illustration before. In the past... You know, we're looking at, you know, something positive or something negative. And we're, we're constantly either using something from a victim mentality of something tragic that happened to us or something that happened um, um, while we were just there and we witnessed it. Or worse, it's something that we did. And now we blame ourselves or we're full of shame. Like those negative things, we, we claim those are the reasons why we can't move forward. And so as a victim, we're enchained to that. Or it's something really positive. We had something awesome happen in our background and we're like, man, Melinda, do you remember back when? Remember the good old days? If only we could get back to that, then, then we could be happy. And so those two are, are the components of the past, but in the future, now we set these goals that when I get, you know, this amount of income, this size of house, this kind of uh, um, the one, you know, all those elements become this something in the future. The problem is each time we get to one thing, then there's another thing and then another thing and then another thing. And we're constantly like a hamster on a wheel chasing after something that will be fulfilling and sustaining, but it never is quenched. And at the same time, we're looking left and right at other people who are doing the same. And, and we think that they're further ahead than we are, that they have more sex success than I do. And as a result, I just create these mental blocks that become debilitating, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not like this person or that person. And instead, what I'm trying to get people to do is focus on here and now and what's truly valuable and what's truly impacting the world. And that is that my life and my legacy is built upon what I do today. 
And that acronym I just shared in uh, my newsletter this morning was that today is um, um, the only day actually yours. And when we realize that today I can use my passion and my energies and my strength, my creativity to invest in the very thing that's right here before me, then I can grow in gratitude and contentment and then comes satisfaction and fulfillment in what I'm actually doing today. And from that breeds happiness and joy and people love to be around happy people, which creates even more synergy and, and enthusiasm and people open up doors of opportunities they otherwise wouldn't have opened to anyone else. But it's because of that passion and that drive and that joy that becomes eminent from your life or emanating from your life. And then the next day you build off the momentum of what just happened the day before. And then it becomes a completely different reality than chasing the pursuits of comparison or goals that may even be limiting to what you're capable of. Yeah. And um, I think it was John Lee Dermis in um, EO Fire Nation that made the comment that you are the sum of the five people that you hang out with that day. And if you hang around with five people like you, A, we'd all be um, very, very energetic, enthusiastic, and Angus is just glowing with health and vitality here that I'm just thinking I need another cup of Milo. Uh, <laughs> but, but if you're around the people that you that inspire you and help you grow, um, this networking um, business that you have going, how popular and how successful are you finding that? Are you finding that people are very desperate to get out there and meet with like-minded people? I don't know if I'd say desperate is the word um, because even that comes with a bit of intrepidation. It's, it's, it's one of two things. Either they haven't realized the power of connecting with people in, uh, in an authentic way because <clears throat> they just know the slimy way of networking. They've seen people do it wrong. They've seen people do it with the wrong motives. They've seen people do it with the wrong techniques. And it feels junky. It feels slimy and it's like a snake oil salesman. Or you know, there's this other aspect where they just don't put themselves out there. They're afraid they'll get rejected. They're afraid that um, they won't be accepted or valued or that they don't have value. And so for me, the more that I'm out here trying to, you know, kind of share some of, and quite honestly, this is me just reverse engineering myself, which is a whole nother conversation is, is I'm trying to come up with something really amazing and special and I'm super unique because of, you know, fill in the blank X. And what I found is some of my gifts and skills, like, are the very thing other people are trying to like possess and I take it for granted. And almost every one of us do the same thing. We don't realize that we have something to offer that we're simply just taking for granted. That we don't embrace our story. We don't embrace um, the relationships. We don't embrace our, our position in, in influence or, or our culture. Like we just don't take what we do as valuable, which is a whole nother conversation of looking into a mirror and not liking what you see. For whatever reason, you look at yourself and you discount yourself and you don't embrace and love that very person in the mirror. And if you follow the lines of that continuum of the people that are involved in your life, I mean, if you think about it, if I don't like me and if I don't you know, have value for me, then internally I'm going to say, well, why should anyone else? Why should someone give me opportunity? Why should somebody love me? Why should someone, you know, um, want to be a part of what I'm doing? Why should somebody buy my product? 
that internal conversation affects everything external. And from a very spiritual context, on the other end of that line of that continuum is, why would the creator of the world even like me? You know, then you get to a very dark, dark place. And so a lot of this starts with learning to love you and knowing that you are enough. And just to give your, your audience some backstory, you know, I went through a period of life where things weren't so, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Um, running my first business, I was 30 years old. I was arrogant and narcissistic, and I thought I didn't need any help. And I was working my tail off on a, a nonprofit organization my brother and I had started. And I found myself um, seeking addictive um, uh, coping mechanisms. And it started off with pornography, and then it spilled into um, alcohol. And soon enough, I was involved in adulterous relationships, all trying to cope with this emptiness and this drive for value, a drive for validation, a drive for control. And my life was anything but. And so that quickly led to the loss of the business, the loss of my marriage, the loss of my self-worth and my passion for life. And I spent the next three years trying to figure out what in the world was going on. I drank heavily. <laughs> I smoked heavily. And in the same time, I had this schizophrenia of while everything else around me seemed so painful, I also had these bright spots of really special people that came in at just the right time and spoke just the right words. So much so that there was a day when I wanted to take my own life and somebody who didn't know my story, didn't know everything, stepped and stood right in front of me and says, you deserve to live. And he had no idea what was going on inside of me. And then he said this, he said, you're not here to take your own life. You're here to live it. And that was to me a supernatural experience. Like this guy didn't know me, this guy didn't know anything. And that was small promises that were delivered to me in times of great darkness and great pain. And what I found is as I started to pursue books and relationships, and like Jim Rohn, kind of what you said, I started to find people and surround myself with positive, uplifting people. And I started reading books that changed the way I see the world. And what I came to learn is that what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, what you talk about, you ultimately bring about. And so the essence of the quality and caliber of life is defined by the information we put into our own data stream. What are we putting into that computer in between our ears? Because whatever you're feeding yourself and whatever you're focusing on, that will only get bigger. And if you're feeding yourself a bunch of crap music, a bunch of crap media, a bunch of um, crap opinions, well, then what happens is internally you will, you will create that as truth. And then your mind will seek equilibrium from a very deeply psychological element. And, non, uh, con uh, and unconsciously, you'll create external experiences to validate that internal reality. And so if you want to change your outside, you got to start by changing your inside. And for me, my story became such that I wanted to position myself to prevent people from feeling those kind of pains ever again. And it's interesting, I guess, from a storyteller's point of view, uh, a lot of what you're describing it is, is a lot of what we try to tap into as writers. Um, on a personal level, I guess, a lot of my listeners and myself included are sitting here, um, we seem to have avoided a lot of those crises that you're mentioning. And I don't know whether it's the beach culture here 
in Australia or whether we're a little bit more laid back. But I do notice a lot of what I listen to um, that comes out of America is is a lot of this self-help kind of stuff that people are finding that they've lost their meaning and they're not quite sure how to get off that, I guess, treadmill of life and, and do something that they value. I was speaking, my last guest uh, is a bit of an adventurer and he... Um, spends a lot of his time in New Zealand uh, hiking to some pretty out-of-the-way places. And he said just being able to sit there and contemplate and find value within yourself is one of the best things that you can do. Now, you speak with a lot of top companies. You you uh, interact with some of the most powerful people, I guess, in, in the Western world. Are you finding that everyone's really as screwed up as you're, as you're um, I guess, indicating? Um, I wouldn't say <clears throat> that's a really tragic <laughs> statement there, um, but I would I would say this: there are underlining tones, underlying uh, currents of exactly what I said. Yeah, and and, and, I, it, and I, actually, I don't even think that's only you know Westernized America. Um, I would say in Europe, there's elements of that, and in Asia, there's elements of that. Anywhere there's a competitive spirit, there's a less than lack mindset. Yeah, and and I notice with the um, in the podcasting world where we're both involved in at the moment, it's encouraging people to be their best selves. Um, there seems to be a huge space opening up for mentoring and coaching at all levels, and women appear to be very successful at this as well. Giving people permission to be their best selves uh, seems to be a really necess- necessary thing at the moment. Yeah, um, you know it's interesting. Um... You know, on one hand, and you can take this from so many different angles. <clears throat> to your point, you, you mentioned before, some people have a more laid-back beach lifestyle. Um, my wife, uh, her father is Haitian from Haiti. My uh, mother-in-law is from uh, the Philippines. And my wife was born and raised in Hawaii. So very much island culture, totally laid-back, and they're late for everything. Okay? That's just... The style, right? <clears throat> On one hand, she has different elements of confidence and knowing who she is because she was raised to have more of a blue blood mindset that you walk into a room and you own it, that you don't let anybody knock you down. You don't let anybody talk down to you or what have you. But then there would be other quotients that she has not ever contended with or not ever felt that she you know, had to address. And every one of us, no matter what our experience or our environment, have elements or frequencies in our lives that won't give us the permission to move forward. So where one might question, I'm not good enough, <clears throat> another person would say, do I matter? Because I could also argue that there are people in one of these island cultures and say, I'm just from a small place, from a small family, and nobody cares a rat's ass about what I say. To which I would challenge you there to say that's that mindset in a different context is now you don't understand that your story, your confidence and your um, ability to articulate what you say as a writer or communicator is a voice that only you can project and people are waiting for someone like you to step out from the fray so they can resonate with your story. Yeah. And, I and think- so on one, go ahead. No. Oh, I was just going to say, so, so it's, 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 a, it's a context issue, right? Um, and it's a copy issue. We can label it with one sort of copy and say, oh, well, that's this, and we put a sticker on it. But then somebody else has something different, 
and we don't know how to define it. And I would say it's the same sticker, just a different expression. Yeah, Angus has a wonderful way of making these statements and pausing and, and just to let it sink in and and then to continue. Unfortunately, I think he stopped talking and I don't interrupt him, so I apologise for that, Angus. Uh, I, no. <laughs> I, I um, had the pleasure of um, working in Hawaii for a very short period of time with the International Food, Wine and Travel Writers, I think it was, and mm-hmm. we experienced that Polynesian culture. And, I, I, look, I think there's a secret... Um, over there that that the rest of us could learn from. It's all about people and family and community, which is tapping in a little bit, I think, to your networking idea. Um, we, we're all seeking a tribe, I guess. Mm, yeah. Yeah, we're seeking a tribe. I think that's part of it. You know, I wrestle with something, you know, if I'm just going to be fully transparent, <clears throat> you know, I wrestle with, you know, different opportunities I've had where, Things were just cool and chill as they were. And I questioned myself, like, why couldn't I just be content in that? Like, why can't I just get myself to a place of just having, you know, a nine to five job and just do the same old, same old and come home and, and, and be, you know, totally satisfied or fulfilled with that. And instead of got all this raw ambition and passion and ideas and creativity and so it's like I'm constantly going. I'm co- my mind's constantly creating. And whether it's I'm writing or I'm doing video or if I'm doing, you know, podcasts, and like I'm constantly creating. My wife just shakes her head. And I was like, I wish I could just be, you know, content. And my wife says, no, you don't. Shut up. That's not true. You are who you are. Be that. You know, so she even challenges me. And so these are these elements that none of us have this all figured out. And the sooner, the, the, the moment that we think we do, the sooner our, our, our boat will start to capsize. You know, it's like we are not um, completely and, and entirely perfect and never will be. But it is in the embrace of our imperfection that perfecting of your life is made. And so, I, you know, on one hand, I can point and, and, and coach other people in other elements. At the other side, I am getting coaching for someone to work through me. In fact, I got a call with a friend of mine later this night, uh, this evening. They have permission to ask me tough questions. They have permission to get in my space and, you know, get up in my business because that I think is what all of us needs in the same context that you say, we are looking for a tribe. We're looking for a belonging, but we're also looking for purpose. And more than anything, we're looking for connection. We want to be known just as we are that we don't have to perform, we don't have to manufacture, we don't have to put on a facade. Like, that's what we're really looking for, is a a tribe of people that believe and accept us just like we are. Yeah, and I think that would be the jobs, I guess, of of podcasters, of of authors, uh, to, to share... I guess people's stories, and I know I started my podcast because I believe that everyone's got a story to tell and and they don't value their stories and they think they've got nothing to say, but you end up speaking to them for three hours and you go, well, I think that might be a story. Why don't you do something with it? And I notice even as I listen to your podcast and lots of podcasts on the way to school that there are things happening out there in this world that are so very, very fascinating that without all these new technologies, we wouldn't even know about them. Mm. Is that true? The power that's in your pocket, 
to communicate and to learn in ways that have never existed on the face of humanity. You know, my, my background, obviously, you know, working in technology, like I can reach down to my phone and I can take a class on Udemy. I can take a class on Teachable. I can go to LinkedIn and Linda. I can go to like all these different places. And for a very low f- cost, I can access content that's on collegiate level. In addition, I can also access the most latest, greatest content of what's out there that's maybe even more advanced than like American colleges takes two years for curriculum to get approved. Well, in the tech space, two years is a long time. Like you can bypass that and disrupt universities and colleges with the power of technology and the education that's available through all these different websites. That never existed before. In the same token, if you're a writer, if you're a creator, if you're a storyteller, never in history has it been more possible for you to build an audience around your stories. And, you know, this is just something just as a tidbit as a writer. You know, people think they can just write a book and then it's going to, you know, become all J.K. Rowling and then we're like, oh, I'm awesome. I'll give you two things. One is if you're looking to get published, publishers rarely buy books, they buy people. And the second part of that is the people that they, they acquire um, have already built a brand. Books don't build brands. Brands build books. And sadly, there's a lot of books out there where the cover and the title are exquisite and amazing and powerful, and people buy that, but the contents of it are pretty mediocre. It has a couple of good tidbits, and everything else is filler. That's all changing. People are finding value in brevity. Say it succinctly. Get it across. I don't need a 200-page book that can be written in 60. You know, Don't give me 120,000 words when I only need 45,000 words. Um, that's truth. The second component, you're already doing it by building a podcast and building an audience around you. You're going to have people that are ready, willing, and able to purchase your books when they're available because they know you. People aren't buying your book because they think the book necessarily is going to impact their world unless they have the trust of the person who wrote it. And by you building your brand through podcasting, through storytelling, through YouTube, through, you know, social media, you get to invite people into your heart and your life so that when you have a product to present, they're more readily available to acquire. Yeah. And I had that question put to me only this week. Uh, I'm on your website and I've got my wallet open, but there's nowhere to spend my money. And I go, well, I just haven't got to that part yet, but I will. (laughs) Stop stop rushing me. But the other Just send it to my website. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just give me the money and I'll do something with it. Yeah. Uh, Which brings me to, I go to school every day. I travel for nearly an hour. I listen to your podcast. I listen to the artificial intelligence podcast and I got all excited and I think, wow, we are an amazing world and then I get out of my car and I go into the classroom and I go oh and by the end of the day I'm so disempowered and sad that I toodle (laughs) home and have a glass of wine Um, right right yeah yeah. uh we we are doing our kids a disservice I think by locking them in a classroom for six hours a day um I'm not quite sure that we you and I can address that today um but you do have this wonderful book coming out empowering work and I have heard that um it's your brand and your following that attracted the publisher and you're going down the traditional publishing route um empowering work can you describe that because it's certainly not teaching 
Sure. So um, empowering work is, is wrestling with the two quotients of my life. One is the corporate business world and taking a look at technology and the progression of where we're headed. And so the data that came out of my company was looking at part of one of the things that I personally took um, interest in is the future of work. And that is this, that companies are going to be hiring full-time employees less and less because they don't need the liability of paying for everything from um, their health care to their retirement. They don't want to deal with all of that. In addition, these larger companies specifically have a lot of workforce redundancy and they're learning how to be more efficient. Bigger companies are becoming smaller. Small is the new big. Whether you're you know, an Uber and you've been able to scale massively with small teams or you're someone like uh, Google who has split into multiple companies under the Alphabet brand, but everyone's doing their own thing so they can specialize. Then we have PayPal and eBay. They've split into two. We've got Xerox in the middle of a split right now. Companies are dividing themselves so that they can become more effective, more agile, and more powerful. Well, in that same quotient, they're also displacing a lot of their employees, and we're seeing these numbers start to, to, um, to dwindle in the context of full-time employees. Well, <clears throat> that builds two cases. One is the brand side, what's that going to look like, and one is the employee side. And so my book then goes on to uncover where some of this is looking, where some of this data is 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 looking, um, or or headed. Part of that is you're going to be your own agent, free agent, and you're going to be able to work from anywhere in the world for anyone. And the more that you can specialize and maintain yourself as a self learner and be advanced in your knowledge base, the more um, likely you are to succeed in that space. The second part of that is you're going to have to manage your own company, which means you manage your brand, you manage your network and, and the people that you know, and the relationships that you carry in addition to your reputation. You got to deliver on time, you got to deliver the best. So there's a lot of components to that and complexities on both the threat and the opportunities. You can work as much as you want, you can work as little as you want. If you're a boomer, you're scared splitless because this is not the 25 years in a gold watch. What do I do with this? If you're a millennial, you're like, this is amazing. But what if we can bring the two of those together where we have the expertise and the wisdom working with the agility and the creativity? I think amazing things can happen. Those create these opportunities. On the flip side, you've got the corporations who now um, human resources departments are going to be changing some of their focus. Yes, they're still going to be doing acquisition, talent acquisition, because you'll have to fill leadership roles. There'll always be leadership involved in these big brands. However, that leadership is going to change. So a second component of that is they're going to have to develop leadership training, leadership development, because this leadership in this new world is going to be based on human quotients. So they're going to have to have self-awareness. They're going to have to have emotional intelligence. And you're going to have to teach people how to actually connect and communicate outside of bureaucratic bullies. They're going to have to be real and they're going to have to be human. The second component of that is, or excuse me, the third component of, of human resources is talent management, managing all of these, you know, free agents. So that's kind of an, enough on the business side. The back end of it is then giving the tools and resources for someone to succeed in the space. How do you become self-aware? How do you develop that emotional intelligence? How do you manage your own personal brand and develop your network? And the book is going to give distinct tools in how to be successful in that space. So that in and of itself is empowering work. Yeah, and it, and it's exciting. It's very exciting stuff, uh, especially for me as I start my own business and hit the road to get people to tell their stories. Um, and again, I started from adversity and took it and turned it into to joy, which was fantastic. Uh, but I think other people need to become 
a little bit more nimble. The companies that are moving forward are the ones who can show that flexibility. Uh, indie publishers are the perfect example of that. Um, and I'm guessing some of the reasons they have beautiful covers and inside is crap is because they hire great designers to do the outside, yeah. but they skill, yeah. their own skill set hasn't quite caught up. Uh, you mentioned the words lifelong learner, and mm-hmm. it is becoming um, so easy now to tap into the TED Talks, to tap into the courses. Um, I'm building a course myself at the moment for teenagers and there is such a need these kids are actually oh come on Mel get it up we, we want to do it we want to do it and I'm going can my designer just hurry up a little please um <laughs> so mm-hmm. so it's that there is that enthusiasm with the younger people but then you read the papers and it says um oh the unemployment rate is up to 15 percent oh everything's collapsing so you're getting the doom and gloom from the outside and it's really important that you guys get your message across I guess to counter that doom and gloom yeah, I don't know if I'm trying to, you know, boil the ocean. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to, to change all of that. I'm just trying to change the people that, you know, resonate with me and my brand. Um, and so I, I, I don't get too intimidated by the whole. Um, I'm just doing what I do with the people I do it with. Um, so that I would kind of put as a basis, a baseline to all of that. But the next component to it is, Again, this comes back to mindset. If you listen to the doom and gloom, oh my gosh, guess what kind of future you're expecting for yourself? Guess what you're going to naturally create? You're going to create opportunities for doom and gloom in your own life versus I am at interplay with the world and I am leaning forward into this with confidence and um, I am fueling myself with knowledge and relationship and I am prepping myself to do fantastic things. I'm not prepping for doomsday. I'm prepping for my day. And my day is every day. And the more that I invest in those relationships and in that knowledge, the more potential I have for success. Now, does that mean I'm going to have awesome days for the rest of my life? And it's going to be like, again, rainbows and butterflies, like, woo, it's awesome. Everything is awesome. It's not true. It's not legitimate. You know, the truth is you're going to have some junky days. But it takes the valleys for you to appreciate the, the, the mountaintops. I mean, that's the cliche, but it's also the reality. And the more that you understand that a down day is not destructive and a down day is not the end, it's just one day. It's just a day. And it does not deserve you placing judgment as to why it happened. And that's a deeply psychological thing is we always think that when things happen, there has to be a reason why. And those judgments that we place on them are usually way off base and extremely incorrect. We always judge things according to why they happen, according to what we did or didn't do. And it's usually something negative. I should have done this. I could have done that. I would have done this if I had another chance. Instead of just saying, you know what? That was a bum day. That's a crap hand. You know, when I went through my divorce, that really sucked. When I got addicted to pornography, that was really stupid. Uh, man, I was not, not wise at all. When I was drinking heavy, probably was a waste of money. But you know what? It isn't because I was a terrible human being. It wasn't because I deserved to be miserable or I deserved to hurt people. It wasn't because I'm an animal because I acted and behaved the way that I did. I don't chase those happenings with my judgments. Instead, I understand, you know what? I have opportunities to learn in that situation to become a better human being. And when I started to flip that switch, 
like the world became a better place. It's made me more empathetic, more compassionate, more human. At the same time, it's given me boldness that I am not afraid of dark situations. I realize that it's not the end of the world when I get in a crunch. I don't fall apart like a $2 suitcase every time things, you know, the wind changes. I've become resilient. I've become um, empowered to the degree that not only will I carry things on my shoulders with that kind of confidence, but I've learned how to carry others for a season until they can carry themselves. I'm not codependent. I don't need other people to affirm me. At the same time, I don't affirm others until they become codependent. I've become balanced in my emotions and balanced in my psyche. When you go through stuff, it's a lesson. You never miss out just because something doesn't go your way or the timing isn't the right thing. You think it's supposed to have happened yesterday. You th I mean, everything that we want and desire, we think should have happened yesterday. But instead, if we just understand that the journey and the process is far more powerful than the end goal. Yeah. I was just going to say, those lessons learned, that's life itself. Yeah, and look, listening to Angus, this is why I invited him on everybody. When I heard him speak the first time, I was excited then as, then as I am now, talking about fear, talking about vulnerability, but talking about the joy of living, living in the present. Um, we can't make things happen in a day, and in this podcasting world, um, there are doors opening up every day. Um, even this morning, I noticed Angus put a comment up that his own podcast crashed and burned for a month. You know, why do these things happen? Oh, well, we'll just launch it again and we'll have full go again tomorrow um yeah. thing, things go wrong and and it's okay to to say every day's a new day and i got through some bad stuff in my life every day's a new day and angus is very open about what's happened to him and and that's exciting one last question then i'm going to let you go and then i'm going to go off to school to motivate my young minds um for another nice. day uh yes. master classes um as i said there is a bit of a trend are you noticing that people are seeking guidance and and uh, what do you get out of that masterclass with you? Um, I noticed, oh, so the, yeah, the one-on-one yeah, sure, stuff. Like the, yep. the, the masterminds. Okay, so there's, there's twofold. Um, like my products that I do for mine, I do a one-on-one -on -one coaching, and then I do masterminds. Two are completely different. So I'll just define those real quick for you. So a one-on-one -on -one is um, I basically take six months, and I become a part of your life. I ask you tough questions. I, uh, I challenge you to take different assessments, um, everything from a Myers-Briggs to a, uh, some leadership assessments that, that just kind of quantify uh, who you are and what you're all about, what drives your passions, how do you perceive yourself or how do other people perceive you. And then we reverse engineer to say, if you want to change this, you know, these are your goals. You want to see this happen, this happen, this happen. How do we move towards those things? And usually, again, it'll come from a mindset. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to go back in your deep, dark, dirty stuff. I don't care about your childhood you know, struggles. That is not as critical, even though elements of that will reveal itself. Um, my component is to help you lean forward into this stuff and have a strategy on how to turn it around. And that's really where the one-on-one -on -one becomes critical. So the mind, uh, mastermind is a little bit different. A mastermind is a gathering of people who are kind of like-minded. And I try and put together people who um, are not necessarily on the same path, but with a similar um, heart for what they're doing. And what that looks like is this. People who are successful around other people that are successful create nothing more but more success. And what you want to do is you want to put together people who have drive and ambition, along with people who are seeking personal development, along with people who are humble, 
to both be asked tough questions and to be teachable. And what happens is you create an environment where there's accountability and collaboration for everyone to win. And so in those realms, I'm not the, the I'm not Luke Skywalker. I'm not the hero. I'm more like Yoda. <clears throat> I am the guide. And I facilitate a team of people who help one another. And I challenge them to take the next step and answer hard questions so that they help each other. And so it's very different in both those equations. Again, I'll take on the Yoda the guide post, but one is one-on-one and challenging them to take those personal steps, whether it be their relationship, their business, you know, or life, versus the mastermind where is the power of the whole really determines the success of that group. And I facilitate that. Yeah, and, and there is, as I said, um, everybody these kinds of groups are becoming more and more, I'd say popular, but I'm going to say necessary um, because we need to surround ourselves with with like-minded people, with positive people, with joyful people um, mm-hmm. because there is a lot of external forces that we can't control. Ask me a tough question to ponder on the way to school and I'll let you go. Um, okay, before I do that, I'll say this. Every one of us struggles to read, read the label on our own jar. We always need somebody outside of us to help us understand where our real power points are. We need somebody that can read our label to tell us where our shortcomings are, our frailties. So my tough question to you is, who is that person? And that's the person you need to find and dive in deep with that relationship. So... Everybody, I'm going to potter off to school. I'm going to look at my jar and I'm going to read myself and I'm going to think. You can't read yourself. You need somebody else to read you. See? That's the fear, right? Isn't that how it goes? We can just freak out. I'm going to stand in front of 30-year-old boys in a minute and I'm going to say, all right, guys, who am I? And I'm going to cop it in the face. I'll tell you this. The person you need to find is this. They are safe. They are trusted. Okay, and they love you. If you have those three quotients to the person that you find to read your jar, they will always bring about good things in your life. Everyone struggles to read their own jar, the label on their own jar. That's um, I'm going to write that down. That will be the opening to our podcast. It'll be splattered all over the internet. Angus, you're a honey. It's been beautiful talking to you. You're young. You're vibrant. You're healthy. Um, I hope I get to be half as young and vibrant as healthy as we move on together. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you. Sure. And uh, if you want to get a hold of me, come and find me on AngusNelson.com. In addition, I have that networking ebook I'll make available for a free gift for any of your listeners. You can just go to AngusNelson.com forward slash right on the road. All one word. Rider on the road. Ah, yes, except I've got to go to school today. And don't forget, um, Angus does offer these wonderful mentoring courses that I'm going to explore a little bit further myself. And I'm going to suggest that um, there's a story in there for every one of us um, and we've got to write our own stories. Thank you. You have a beautiful afternoon. You too. My pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 